1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. It is fall camp season, not quite football season yet, but the practices have started in Ann Arbor. Michigan football team preseason, top five team by every publication I've seen. Got their first practice underway Wednesday, and and now they're in the thick of it. Now, you know, they, they... take their off season pretty seriously. But once the the pads come on and, and everything like that, it, uh, it starts to feel a little bit more real. The season now less than a month away, just over four weeks away. So this is going to be a pretty jam-packed episode. We're going to try to get all these topics in. Some of the things we're discussing, we're going to discuss which transfer is the most important to Michigan's team this season. We're also going to look at freshmen, which two or three freshmen could really make a sincere impact on Michigan's depth chart or their season success. Second half of the episode, we'll look at what storyline each of us are most curious about in fall camp. You know, what would be the first thing we would want to know maybe a week or two from now? And then finally, we'll we'll each take our shot looking at some X-factor players. You know, who's someone that we, we, we did our underrated episode. We did our um, most important players episode. But who's someone who we, who we don't really know what they're going to be this season but they could play a surprise role or they could make a big difference one way or another based on their success but Steve let's talk about these transfers I I think you and I have talked about it Michigan really absolutely knocked it out of the park in this transfer portal cycle it'd been a point of frustration for fans for for a few years where Michigan wasn't super aggressive and and whether it's the academic hurdles or the or just not being able to sell wide-open playing time. I mean, Jim Harbaugh just isn't one of those coaches who's going to say, we guarantee you a starting job. And Michigan recruits well enough that, you know, someone can look at the depth chart and say, hey, I'm not guaranteed a starting job. But, but this year, they were way more aggressive in the transfer portal. I mean, they were getting commitments from guys. Second week of December, they'd really just hit the portal, and Michigan was saying, Here's where here's the depth chart. Here's where we see you. We think you fit in there. And it was working. I mean, they were really I mean, it's it's a little bit. Michigan can sell NFL and championship contention to a lot of transfer portal entrants, So they were able to get a lot of transfers. I, I, I count nine scholarship transfers. I think all nine are going to be in the two deep. And I think seven or eight are going to be in serious contention for a starting job this fall camp, if they don't already have it. So Steve, knowing who the transfers are, knowing, you know, it's not, not all of them have practiced. I think they all have now, but not all of them were able to practice in the spring. Josh Wallace, Ladarius Henderson, and James Turner weren't even on campus. You know, Drake Nugent, Miles Hinton uh, were hurt, but then you saw Josiah Stewart got to play in the spring game. Ernest Hausman played in the spring game. So, Steve, knowing what you know about the transfers and, and the roles that they're being asked to fill, who do you think is Michigan's most important transfer right now as they begin fall camp?
0: It's actually – this one's become tougher since listening to Harbaugh talk about Greg Crippen.
1: Fair. Yeah, the Also center,
0: stepping yeah. up at the center spot, right? Because I think Drake Nugent would naturally be the answer, and he still very well may be the answer. I mean, you know, center – Probably the – got to be one of the two or three most important positions, uh, at least on offense, if not overall. Uh, so naturally, you know, a guy who could start there is just important in general. Um, I I almost want to lean towards Josiah Stewart uh, just because pass rush is what wins games defensively. Michigan, while – consistently in a position of reloading at the spot. I mean, I've talked, I don't know how many times now about, you know, I think Derek Moore is probably my biggest breakout candidate. When And when I say breakout, I mean like, you know, maybe not quite household name, but, but like a guy on the cusp. But they did lose their top two pass rushers from last season. And uh, I think because of how solid Michigan is in the middle of their defensive front, um, reminds me a little bit of an, an Uche-type situation, I think, with Josiah Stewart as a guy I think that can come that in is, on third.
1: That is a perfect comparison, I right? think. Right,
0: and, and, and Michigan was, was pretty stout in the middle during uh, you know, Uche's run, but I think they're even more stout in the middle this season. You know, again, the defensive line for Michigan a, a lot of years has sort of been a push and pull. Um, this year I think they're they're more formidable across the board – than they maybe ever have been under Harbaugh. But but you still have to say there's not a ton of experience at that edge spot. Uh, but I, I think Stewart's a guy that can walk right in and get to the quarterback. That's one thing. You know, t- think about it this way. Maybe not quite a, another – not the best comparison necessarily, but, but think about how much of an impact a guy like Jared Verse had at Florida State last year coming from a smaller school as a pass rush specialist uh now looked at as a a legitimate first round draft pick uh, in next season's draft. Not saying that Stewart will be uh talked about as a first round candidate next season, but there is uh you know history or or uh you know precedent for for a guy from smaller school to come in at that position and make an impact. So uh I'm gonna go with Josiah Stewart. But again, I mean there you could there could be four or five different guys, right? AJ Barner, uh you know, there was the contention on the board about Ernest Hausman. My my post about maybe slowing the hype train down a little bit, just because we have him ranked fourth overall in the country from a transfer spot. I think he eventually lives up to that. I just don't know if it'll be this year, but he could. You know, he he clearly has the the potential to. So very interesting debate and question. But I'm going to go with Josiah Stewart.
1: Yeah, real quick with Josiah Stewart because I know I've mentioned in my depth chart. You know, the one maybe concern is six foot one at the time that I wrote it 237 pounds. That's really small for an edge. And what you see is I think other big 10 schools have seen this is you bring in a Sam outside linebacker, boundary edge, whatever defensive scheme positional term is used. And they just absolutely feed against non-conference opponents. But then you start playing, like the the Penn States, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Wisconsins, where there's just a little more size at the point of contact when you're trying to get to the quarterback, and and sometimes those players struggle statistically. Um, you know, they still start, they still play, they still make tackles, but they're not necessarily getting to the quarterback. They're not necessarily getting the quarterback pressures. But Uche, I think, is a really good comparison because when Josh Uche measured in at the you know, during the NFL draft process, he was six foot one, 241 pounds. Josiah Stewart is six foot one, 245 pounds. I mean, it's, and, and, you know, I think the one thing you mentioned, I mean, he had 16 sacks. He had 80 quarterback pressures in two seasons. And last year they asked him to get smaller to try to play more of a true linebacker role. Now he's, he's back up to 245 can be a little bit more of a, of a edge guy instead of an outside linebacker guy. I mean, there, there there's a lot of similarities, but I think he's going to be able to play more the way he wants to. And, and you could just see in the spring game, I mean, the way he was able to just kind of stock that line of scrimmage. I, I see, I see a lot of third, third and six, third and seven situations where, where he's just able to get there faster than the other guys. And, and, you know, Jim Harbaugh mentioned it at big 10 media days, you know, his pad level, he can kind of, He's not just bull rushing guys, right? He can really uh, be strategic, quick footed, quick hand uh, and and get to the quarterback. So, and that's something Michigan really needs. I'm going to go with Nugent because even though, you know, one thing, some context for this mention of Greg Crippen last week, Uh, one, Crippen, boy, is there any player, if there's a player Michigan fans should tip their hats to for not quitting, not Taking the easy way out, not transferring somewhere else. I mean, Michigan has brought in borderline All American centers two years in a row. When, when two years ago, you can go back and listen to our podcast. We were talking about Crippen as kind of the next guy, and now that's two years in a row. and And I remember talking to him during the Fiesta Bowl media days, and um, you know, kind of asking him about that. He's like, "I came to Michigan to compete. I, you know, if, if someone handed me the job, I'd be." it wouldn't be as satisfying. And so, you know, I, I give a, give him a ton of credit because I think a lot of college football players these days, if they, they saw that, you know, their, their school kind of recruit a guy over him twice in the transfer portal, I'd be like, all right, <laughs> this isn't working out, but you know, he's got the size he's six foot four, uh, three years starter at IMG. I mean, how many three years starters are there at IMG? If you think about it, I mean, usually you kind of go for your, your senior year, your sophomore. I mean, for him to be a, a three year starter there, I believe he was a captain. Um, you know, so he's very polished. But I do think Drake Nugent, you know, one reason I think Harbaugh had to mention Crippen is Nugent Nugent hadn't practiced with the team yet because he had a he had a, a an injury that wiped out his spring. And that will be a, a situation to monitor, but to me, I think you, you you just can't put a price on a high IQ experienced run blocking center like drake nugent was i mean last year you know pro football focus i I know their grades sometimes seem a little funky but he was the number three center in the country in run blocking grade and if you actually look at his you know how stanford ran the ball up the middle they were better running it up the middle than they were between the tackles and the guards and that's because drake nugent was was there and able to produce uh two-year starter there. I mean, just really the consistency, the tenacity. And I think I, he strikes me as someone who can make a very similar impact to what Olu, Olu Timmy did, where he can come in, be a locker room leader, even though he's new, but he knows how to work. He knows how to master the playbook. He knows how to to push his teammates. And he's just a really smart football player too. And so I think I think the preseason All-American stuff, you know, I'd like to hear more about how he's fitting in at Michigan's practice before I buy into to some of those national publications. We're listing him as that, but I think he can be a true value add, not just in playing his position, but in leading that offensive line, captaining that offensive line, pushing the team in practices and in workouts, uh, you know, throughout fall camp and during the season. So I think he's really valuable. One other guy, I think I want to mention because I think he is the ultimate sigh of relief. Like if they hadn't gotten him, we would be circling this in, in red ink as the biggest question mark on the team. But James Turner, the former Louisville kicker adding him. I just feel like that, that turns that kicker position and, and, you know, Adam, Adam Samaha shout out here on high go river rats. But you know, he's, he's, top top ranked kicker they brought in a bunch of different kickers who who were ranked really high coming out of high school but to have someone who went 20 for 22 on field goals last year who's 30 what 38 for 39 in their career on kicks inside 40 yards I mean suddenly you know that's not that's not really a position you have to worry about I don't know if he'll be Jake Moody I don't know if he'll be an all-American kicker um you know I don't know if he'll he'll be at that level but to have kind of that security blanket at kicker, where that's not a huge position of concern going into the season, and and it's more just how good will he be? Not is who's going to kick for Michigan, and and will they be okay? You know, I think I think that's a very important value add. I mean, kicker right, they're never going to top those most important player lists, uh, but but you know, for him to come in and be established and be proven. I think is a maybe, maybe a sneaky good ad for Michigan. I mean, it kind of it went a little under the radar. It went timing was a part of it, but it went
0: way under the radar. I was just going to say, like, damn us for forgetting about special teams again. Because you're right, he's a huge. That's a huge addition. Think about how valuable Jake Moody was the last two years. You know, Um, yeah, that's just yeah. You can't forget about the kickers and, and michigan takes their recruiting as seriously at at both of the, the the kicking and punting position as as i think pretty much any team in the country does and the results you know kind of prove that as consistently being one of the best special teams units in the country across the board so that's a huge addition one that admittedly me as somebody who loves special teams totally overlooked and didn't even consider
1: and and I think it it sets Michigan up really well with Samaha being a true freshman this year. One, they can redshirt him if they feel like he'll stick around for 5 years, but then two, you know, they can have him kick a few field goals but have Turner be the main kicker and then next year it's not a concern. Right? That's how you build that depth and experience at that position is, you know, I I don't want to diminish what he can be for Michigan James Turner Celine kid, um, but stopgap. I mean, he's a stopgap kicker between Moody and Samaha, and he might be just as good. I mean, based on last season when he, I mean, twenty for twenty-two in the ACC. I was stunned to see he was only ACC honorable mention, but you know, someone that that can be really reliable inside forty, and maybe maybe get you a few bonus points on kicks of forty-five, fifty yards. I mean, he he definitely. He has the leg for it. I just don't think he's had a ton of opportunity to show it in games. So yeah, I think I think he's someone he might not be most important game in, game out, but to have kind of the yeah, that, that security blanket at kicker where, where you're not concerned about it. You're not you're not spending fall camp trying out all these different freshmen and seeing who can who can who you can count on. I think is is just huge for Michigan. Let's turn it over to the freshman. And Steve, this is this is going to be a little bit more your wheelhouse than mine, just because I know you cover covered this class as recruits a little bit more. But sticking starting with offense, I think there's a few more year one impact players on offense, particularly at the skill positions. Uh Frederick Moore, I mean, I know everyone saw Benjamin Hall in the spring game. Cole Cabana I was I'm very intrigued if he's truly 198 pounds and and in game shape for that I mean that's the way he can run you know it was it was kind of like just add some weight to your frame and you're ready to go Um, you know Samaj Morgan Carmelo English I mean honestly even the tight ends maybe I mean we'll, we'll we'll see tight ends aren't always other than Colston Loveland are always year one guys but but Steve, starting on offense, I mean, who are the who are the one or two freshmen that you're keeping an eye on that could really crash this too deep and play a significant role this season?
0: Yeah, the yeah the Cole Cabana weight gain was among the more noteworthy weight situations. You know, they say all weight gain is good, all weight loss is good, um, but he's a kid that I think it could. Could help his chances at making an early impact. Here's the thing. What did how many how many guys did Harbaugh say could get drafted?
1: Twenty. Next and I, I, I right. will say, by the way, I know that's been a talking point. I I did my breakdown back in May. I had eighteen that I right. had at least a good chance. And then that's not counting a Miles Hinton. That's not counting, you know, there were a couple guys who I, I think really could get to that level sure. uh, with a with a good season. So I know people kind of gave him flack for hyping up his team before they've played a game. But I think from a pure like experience and like proven track record, like if the draft were tomorrow, I think it, I think they would get 12 to 15 guys drafted. Right. I really do.
0: And a lot of them are on offense. Right. Which means it's very, I think it's going to be really hard for guys to uh particularly up front and maybe at, receiver back is the one spot where you know ben hall had the great spring game immediately looked like a guy who is going to you know eventually out not just outplay it he's already kind of outplayed i think what people (laughs) i know it's a spring game but like you know his recruitment was so talked about because i believe he was the backup on his team last year at running back but i think the guy the other guy committed to clemson uh could be him or Cabana, uh, you know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Fred Moore also, but I'm not gonna. At the same time, I don't think with that in mind, you can totally write off Samaj Morgan then either. You know, um, receiver and back because because Michigan likes to use three backs are the two, and, and receivers a spot where we are. Yeah, we're, we're kind of wondering who that other guy is going to be that steps into that role. You know, you've talked a lot about Darius Clemens, uh, even Peyton O'Leary, guys like that as being that third guy behind uh, Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson. But, you know, I know Michigan loved both Fred Moore and Samaj Morgan, and I believe that the thing about Fred Moore is he's he looks like uh, Morgan was pretty well scouted. It feels like Moore is just looking more, no pun intended, more more like one of those guys that probably wasn't, quite scouted closely enough because I think Michigan definitely believes he's a lot better than where he finished the cycle uh, rankings wise. So those would be the two receivers and the two backs I think are all kind of to me, maybe, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know how far ahead Hall would be of Cabana, you know, because of the spring. So maybe give Hall the slight edge there. But besides that, I think all four of those guys are maybe in a similar position where they have somewhat of an opportunity to see the field. Uh, it'll just be – it will probably – it'll not be like in a featured type role, um, and they're going to have to scratch and claw their way into a contributing type situation. So, again, not a, a great problem for Michigan to have. Uh, it's very conceivable that none of these guys make much of an impact this year, and and I think if you're Michigan, that, that, that means that the guys on your roster already – uh, really stepped up. So uh again, not not a bad position for Michigan to be in. But yeah, I think back and receiver are two spot. I would be mildly surprised if if like a Zach Marshall or a or a Tony Ellie, even though like again, Tony Ellie, another guy who's what, 250 on the roster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, like he's we have him at 6'6, 215. Uh that's another 35 pounds. Uh so you know Much like there's – I don't believe either of those guys are Colston Loveland, and uh, but maybe are more like a Marlon Klein, right? Very physically gifted, might just be a year away, Uh, you know. So, yeah, not not the best chance to see an offensive freshman really step in and make a huge impact, but a couple guys that might have a chance.
1: It does feel like those – Running backs, receivers, it seems like they always burn their red shirt, though, even if they're not getting, you know, t- 10 catches in a season or – or you know, Could be five special five teams players. guys. Yeah. Right? Like
0: a Fred Moore. Yeah. Like Fred Moore seems like a guy that will be a special teams kid. Um, you know, and we'll see thing, about the other – the Cabana and Hall.
1: Yeah, one thing I will say about Cabana, Hall, Moore, and Morgan, all of them were not only early enrollees, they were down in Arizona for the fiesta bowl practices and some of the December bowl practices. So, I mean, they, they're coming, coming into fall camp. I mean, you know, while some freshmen, they actually have to like adjust which practices that they can go to or like how much time they can commit to practice. Cause they're getting their, their summer, you know, they kind of their first summer classes and stuff under the belt. I mean, the, these are freshmen who not only have a whole semester in spring practices under their belt, but also had some, Sneaky December, January practices. Not sneaky as in under the table, but, like, you know, they were able to get that in before classes even started. And so, yeah, they're coming into fall camp. Not not veterans, but they're not wide-eyed and trying to figure everything out either. I mean, they're, they're uh, comfortably treading water, I guess. All right, on the defensive side, I, I put together my defensive two-deep as well. I... If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. The only freshman I think I put in the entire two deep, including the in-the-mix players, was Jair Hill, who is fantastic. I mean, very fast, checks every box. Fast, not just in testing times, but also when the pads and the helmet are on. He's he's flying all over the field. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of Jabril Peppers. Just with the energy, it just seems like he just floats play to play and, and, you know, he, he'll make a huge tackle on one side of the field and he just kind of like bounces over. I mean, it almost reminds me of like when Jabril Peppers did the backflip right after that pick six and on a two point conversion, you know, it just kind of seems like he doesn't run out of energy. Steve, who who are some of the freshmen that we should know about entering fall camp on the defensive side? And, and does anyone beyond Hill have a a real chance of cracking a two deep anywhere?
0: Again, I mean, it's tough. To to envision, just going down the list here. I do agree on Jair Hill. Maybe almost follows a similar path this season to uh, Amorian Walker. As far as maybe not a guy we'll see right off the get go, but somebody maybe during the the heart of conference season we start to see on the field a little bit more. By that same token, and this this will be one I'll be checking on for sure. Uh, I think I think Michigan likes what they have with with Cameron Calhoun also uh, again, I don't know if he gets that far this year, but he is not somebody that I would completely write off. Um, again, another guy who enrolled early, so he's got a little bit of a head start on some of the other guys um, you know i I part of me almost wanted to say Brandon Hillman also, but Michigan is pretty deep uh, as far as like youth, youthful, talented safety types you know but Hillman's a guy very late riser in the rankings I think Notre Dame thought they got an absolute steal with him and then Michigan kind of swoops in and takes him uh, after he signs his letter of intent so uh, those are the few guys that kind of come to mind right away right I mean Michigan's so deep up front you know I don't foresee like a Brooks Barr or even a Trey Pierce those types of guys making an impact. Cam Brandt, uh, those guys making an impact right away. Uh, Eno Etta is another interesting one who well, – what he's gotten large. He looks like he might actually he end up playing – can't be play an edge ins- anymore, can he? Right. He No, he's going to play – yeah. yeah, probably going to play inside. So, um, But, again, Michigan relatively deep in the middle there. Um, and when you have Breon Ishmael com- coming in at 260 – he looks like he's in that he's going to be an edge maybe you know then then that makes it a lot easier to feel comfortable about Ed on the inside so no I I I would I would say Jair Hill and and Cam Calhoun are the two guys probably that have the inside track and I I mean I'd argue though even if they weren't both early enrollees I they still might be the two that'll have a shot but but again it just it just speaks to how deep uh, this year's Michigan team is across the board pretty much. Right. I mean, we're, we're having to claw and scratch just to debate on some different potential right. uh, position battles. Right. And we're talking like second and third spots for some of the position battles that we're breaking down. So, uh, but yeah, the, this, this is, and I think that's another thing to consider and not trying to pump sunshine or anything. I, I know. Some people didn't like the fact this was the 20th ranked class in the country, but this is a class that Michigan should be able to let marinate for a, for a full year, if not even a little bit longer, uh, before a lot of these guys see the field and start to make an impact. So, um, you know, it, it is as far as roster it building. For
1: Michigan's last non-top twenty recruiting class, right? Very similar. Twenty sim- eighteen for those that don't follow it that closely.
0: Yes, very similar with a lot of super high ceiling. Type guys, particularly on the defensive side, in my opinion, with guys like the Ohio guys, especially Ishmael, DJ Waller, Jason Hewlett, who I mean, I think is going to be a stud at some point. So, uh, yeah, but I would say the two corners for sure got to stand out as far as this seasonal, if we're isolating it to this year.
1: Okay. We're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll bring it back to the team. We'll talk about storylines that we're watching closely this fall camp, and then we'll close with some talk of x-factors you're listening to the Wolverine 24/7 podcast
0: on May 23rd i want to go back to normal what's normal the paramount plus original series evil returns we've already hunted werewolves
1: and demons and now what a baby antichrist <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us for the end. I have
0: visions of
1: hell. Make it stop! Make it shut up! (laughs) You're not gonna survive
0: this. Evil, the final season, streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? All right. right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying it's the feel good movie of the year. You dig? What Marley One love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.
1: And welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So I don't think I've actually done my storylines to watch in Fall Camp. I might honestly not do one. This this year, this year's team is very interesting because I think so many questions are already answered just because there's so many returning players. Right? Like they they lose mozzie smith theoretically that would be the biggest hole for them to fill but it, it really sounds like mason graham is is ready and chris jenkins had such a strong season and then there's obviously a lot of excitement for kenneth grant and and ray sean benny uh, you think about some of the other players that they lost in the draft it really does feel like they whether it was through the transfer portal through a returning starter caliber player uh they it doesn't feel like they have a lot of major question mark. They do have a couple, right? Cornerback, I think is one. I think obviously figuring out the starting five on the offensive line is another. But when I think about the biggest storyline, like like if if they start making coaches available in a week or players available in in a week or two, you know, the first question I would have my thing is I'm very fascinated by what changes or where does the passing game go from here? I don't think the passing game was a weak point for Michigan last season. There were a couple games, right, where they, they kind of let a team hang around just because they weren't consistently throwing the ball over the field. And, and everyone knows that Michigan's going to be able to run the ball effectively against pretty much everybody. I mean, that was the one thing that didn't change throughout the season, even with injuries. I mean, they were able to, you look at their rushing stats, there wasn't a team that shut them down, so to speak. But I am very fascinated by this passing game. I think there's a huge opportunity with J.J. McCarthy. I'm not going to make the same comparisons Jim Harbaugh made. But I do think, I mean, this is is a quarterback situation. Michigan hasn't had a quarterback with this blend of talent, leadership, and then potential to be even better in 15 years or so. Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson. I was going back and kind of watching – some of their their top plays from last season while I was doing the depth chart. Quietly, both very good deep ball threats. You know, they, they weren't targeted as much as some of the other guys last year, but, but I mean, they were both top eight in the Big Ten in yards per reception. And, and I think they both have some separation speed at their size where they can really, I mean, you talk about NFL draft. I don't think they'll be top, fifty NFL draft picks, but they they're guys who can can really help this. And then everyone knows at this point that there's a lot of excitement for Colston Loveland. You know, AJ Barner someone we've talked about a lot. I, I just I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential in this passing game and, and and I don't say that as a full criticism, more of an opportunity. And you have Kirk Campbell coming in as a, the new quarterback coach, been around a lot of passing off at, you know, think about it, at Penn State I'm very curious to see where that goes from here. And then the other angle I'll add to that is after seeing last season, you know, maybe, maybe do they do something to, even when they're up 10 up 20, you know, philosophically usually that's when Jim Harbaugh offenses start to just kind of pound the rock, run clock, keep the injury variance, chance of interception, you know, all that stuff low. But is this a season where when they have this this opportunity to be even better in the passing game, is this a situation where maybe they let JJ McCarthy get those reps? Maybe they let, you know, the passing side of things get some of those reps in low risk situations so that when you are faced with having to pass the ball more, you know, you're already comfortable. You're already ready to turn it on. I mean, I I think I think Jake Butt had an interesting quote in a story about it where it's like just because you can run the ball 50 times and win by 40 doesn't mean you have to. I mean, you know, they have a great rushing offense. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But why not save those running backs legs a little bit and get reps in the passing game? And I feel like some variation of this gets said every single off season. Everyone's like this is the year they're going to open it up. So I'm I'm not, I'm not super sold on it happening just yet, but I am curious. That's maybe the biggest storyline I'm watching heading into this fall camp.
0: I'm just actually literally looking at the numbers right now. So we talk about special teams overlooking James Turner as sort of an addition, but I've always loved the uh, football outsiders, their uh, FBI ratings and uh, particularly on the specialty. It's one of the only ways I feel like anybody really measures true like special teams numbers. And one thing that Michigan consistently has always been near the top uh, in the country is in both both the average money are like their average starting field position offensively and the average defensive field position, you know, as far as like the, the opponent having to, to travel further down the field last year, for instance, just an example last year, Michigan opponents uh, started their drive at an average of, of their own 25 yard line. Uh, Michigan would start at an average of their own 33 yard line, basically about a seven or eight yard difference, which was tops in the country because there's a whole new turnover at pretty much pretty much every spot right I mean returner we're still not totally clear that's because that's also another storyline I'm kind of interested to see is who emerges maybe as their punt returner this year I don't did know you see,
1: did you happen to see my depth chart for that I,
0: I have not clicked on it yet sorry you should though if you're I, out if you're listening you should check it out
1: <laughs> well it's it's way at the bottom too and and admittedly a lot of people don't look at the special teams but i i put down i won't give it all away but basically i had two starters i had two backups but then i i had like nine guys on the in the mix i mean this is a very hard one to predict you know do they go with some of these speedy freshmen do they go with roman wilson because of his experience is this a year where tyler morris kind of takes on some of those roles i mean it this is right anybody's There's, game
0: and that's that's why i think it's always because even the last couple of years, it's always, we've always, there's so many possibilities, I suppose, that could, they could go with. I mean, I remember, I don't know if we talked about a couple episodes ago, with, with a guy like Zeke Berry who had some great clips uh, in the return game in high school. You know, a, a guy where it's like one of those guys who's just athletic and has the ability to, you know, where maybe Michigan wants to find a, a spot like him, or a spot for a guy like him on the field. You know, so um, so I'm interested, yeah, sort of twofold. Can Michigan, you know, will they be number one? Because they were number one in the country, by the way, in that differential, uh, in that field position difference of 7.5 or 7.7 yards uh, versus their opponents. Uh, ironically, Ohio State, number three. Uh, you know, so I think there's a big correlation uh, between teams that succeed in, in in special teams, like in field position and, uh, you know, winning football games. But, yeah, twofold. Can they – hover in that top five area again this year with sort of a retooled group, uh particularly at punter and kicker, and who emerges as sort of their key return guy. Uh, because again, you mentioned Jabril Peppers, we say it every year. That dude saved Michigan so many yards and being able to track footballs down and just catch it on the fly. Uh can they find another guy like that? Because that would even, you know, I'm sure that would have helped that field position number uh even more than than what they already have. So um You know, yeah, special team stuff never never gets talked about enough. But I think it's something where it's not a coincidence that Michigan consistently is winning the field position battle uh, and and is winning 12 or 13 games the last couple seasons.
1: Yeah, well, and and that's that's a good storyline, because I think a lot of these storylines, we we kind of know what's going to happen, or at least it's not a situation where. It's not as much of a wild card. Like I think about like, where does the pass rush come from? I don't know. They've got four edge guys that they're going to rotate in. They're all pretty good and proven. Someone's going to step up. Or I think about offensive line, you know, who the starting five. I don't know, but they have seven guys who are on the senior bowl watch list. And then they also have some younger guys who, who have proven themselves too. So, you know, I think those are, those are one the answer, those are storylines that will kind of work themselves out. But but yeah, I agree with you. I think uh special teams is one of those areas, and not so much punter kicker, but you know, returner who who are the gunners and, and all that stuff. Not necessarily one that we could just assume, you know, what the answer will be. Um yeah, and then the last one, I we've talked about it quite a bit, so I'm sure we can do a shorter version of this discussion, but but rounding out that secondary, right? Rod Moore, Makari Page, Will Johnson, Mike were still, 4 guys who were effectively starters. I think they were starters last season. So you you have that. But then beyond that, with DJ Turner gone, with Jamon Green, uh, with RJ Moten gone, I mean, there's there's a lot of inexperience at that position. And Josh Wallace, you know, you to want to talk about security blank? I feel like he was a very good insurance policy UMass transfer. I kind of expect him to start early on, but I do think Michigan is going to keep that battle open and not just for the cornerbacks, right? Amarian Walker, Jaden McBurrows, uh, Jair Hill, Miles Pollard, so on and so forth. I think they are going to keep that open and, and kind of let that nickel spot be open and, and try saying still at cornerback at times and and things like that, because I think there's, there's some talent at safety too that could emerge and I think Zeke Barry is 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 one to definitely watch but that's kind of the other storyline is like what what does this secondary look like you know and, and is there a fifth starter caliber maybe even a fifth, fifth five and six starter caliber player who steps up either at cornerback or safety just to give them a little bit of a rotation give them a little bit of flexibility because this is a very very deep football team very very experienced football team But I do think that secondary could use another player to step up. And it might be Wallace, might be Walker, might be McBurrows. You know, there's definitely, there's no shortage of potential players. Keyshawn Harris, I know, has gotten a lot of love from players this summer. But I do think that's like the other maybe question mark that I don't know the answer to tomorrow or right now. Uh, You know, I think the passing game, the return game, and I think the secondary are all spots that I'm keeping an eye on. Alright, Steve. Last thing we're doing in this episode. Which player is the biggest X Factor slash are you the most interested in hearing about in Fall Camp? So X Factor, little different than a breakout player, a little bit different than like an underrated player. I'm thinking of a player who we don't know exactly what they'll be this season, but they have the chance to really play a big role one way or another. And so like, maybe I'm trying to think of a good example, like Macari page, I think was a good example last year. I don't think anyone is really looking at him or or knowing what he would be last year, but the fact that he was good just really helped that safety room out. I think Will Johnson, you could count as an X, X factor last year. They didn't, no one knew August 3rd last year. I mean, people assumed he would be good, but, I don't think they realized he was going to have the kind of game he did against Ohio state or the kind of game he did against Purdue. And, and I guess I'm, I'm thinking of secondary examples because that's where my mind is from our last discussion point, but Steve starting, or you can go wherever you want, who who are one or two players that you're really looking at as X factor players this year, but their role is not defined. It's not known. It's not assumed, but they could, they have the the license and ability, as Jim Harbaugh likes to say, to really make a big difference somewhere where Michigan could use an X factor. Have someone step up.
0: Um, I'm going to dip back into the Micah Pollard well here. Uh, listed at 220, great news, great sign. I think that's what Michigan has been hoping for. That you know, I think he was what at 20 something in the spring. I don't know. Like he was. Not
1: he was two oh six on last year's roster, or the right. spring roster,
0: yeah, so you know, and we've talked a little bit about I've mentioned just a little bit of apprehension about Michigan's depth at linebacker, um you know, in terms of playing at like a college football playoff slash national championship level, uh Pollard again, is a guy that we've just always heard good things about Michigan has always really liked him Uh, I keep mentioning the fact they recruited Jaden Smith commitment out of Charlotte this cycle and was basically told that he reminds Michigan of Micah Pollard Uh, so logic says Michigan would not recruit a guy that reminds them of somebody that like they're not that high on that really wouldn't make a ton of sense so Uh, But regardless of that, we've still heard great things about Micah Pollard throughout Michigan has loved his potential. And uh, the other thing about him, you know, one thing we've noticed, there's been a definite shift in the type of linebacker that Michigan has recruited since Chris Partridge took over. I firmly believe Micah Pollard is much more of the type of guy that Partridge is recruiting. Um, they, They really are after... Athletes at the position. I know athleticism is not something that Pollard has lacked. So, uh, so he's going to be the the one for me. Uh, could be a few other guys too. Uh, but, but I'm going to like a Marlon Klein is maybe another guy. You know, maybe another tight another tight end with a high ceiling can step up and, and carve out a role. But, but uh, I'm going to go with Micah Pollard.
1: Okay, I'm going to go with one on offense, one on defense. On on defense, I think we've talked about him. Enough that I don't necessarily need to go on and on, but but Zeke Berry to me I think is is very fascinating because he only played three snaps last season. I mean, you talk about freshmen, oh, they redshirt them, or whatever. I mean, and and part part of it wasn't necessarily his fault, and and the room was deep, and he was, you know, he was still working out all the academics and stuff during fall camp. It 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 has happened at Michigan before. But three snaps was just surprisingly low, or three defensive snaps, I should say. But but he he redshirted and everything. But man, this spring, there was was a pretty good deal of chatter about what he can do. And I think he, what jumps out to me about him is I I think he can play a few different roles at safety. I I don't think they would put him necessarily in, in a strong box safety type role at 192 pounds, but... He can play nickel. He can play the Rod Moore type role. And as you mentioned, I think the special teams, I wouldn't be super surprised. I didn't pick him to start a return job, but, but, you know, he, he's someone that that's got that speed that has that maneuverability around the field. And so I think he's someone, I don't know what his role will be, but boy, if he, if he pops Michigan secondary, suddenly, is sitting in a much more comfortable situation. They have a lot more depth in that secondary. And then on offense, I think I could probably go with either transfer offensive tackle, but I'm going to go with the one who, who I think was highly touted as a transfer and wasn't on campus this spring. So I don't, we don't know what his role will be, but that's Ladarius Henderson out of Arizona state. I just I can't just I can't shake the notion that he probably would have been drafted this spring had he just gone to the draft. I mean he was the East West Shrine Bowl invite. He had a really strong senior year for Arizona State. And he did so when he was 20 years old. So I'm sure scouts were kind of looking at him saying, Yeah, this is someone that we can we can place at guard. Well, now he's entering a Michigan offensive line position battle that he's not necessarily going to win. I mean, you know, with, but whether it's at guard with with Trevor Keegan and Zach Sinter, whether it's at at tackle with Carson Barnhart, Trente Jones, you know, Miles Hinton, Jeffrey Percy. I mean, this is this is a player who I, I project him to win at tackle, but I I don't know what his role will be. But I I do think like if he has if if he turns out to be as good as advertised and and has improved even, and he's able to bring some of the the pass protection capabilities to tackle you know that that's something that would really push this offensive line I guess over the top a little bit and make them even better than forecasted so he's he's definitely a big mystery to me I'll, I'll just mention Miles Hinton too I mean the the ceiling for him is extremely high we've talked about you know his dad he was a former five star recruit uh he's 6'7 340 I mean there's just Not a lot of human beings that are that are his size and are athletic enough to make the plays at tackle that he started. I mean, he had a really good it was shortened by injury, but he had a really good junior year for Stanford. And and it was really I think the light had started to turn on for him. So those are kind of two X factors for me on offense, because I think this offensive line has a lot of pieces in place. I think even if those two don't we don't know if those two will even start. But I think that there's there's a, you know, they could play a really big role for this offensive line uh, in some very important games later on this season. All right, that's going to do it for this podcast. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Be sure to check out all of our stories over at Michiganinsider.com, Michigan at 247sports.com. We're truly in the middle of season preview mode right now. Uh, we've got tons of stories from Big Ten Media Days, maybe a couple dozen, even. Uh, you know, we've got the depth charts. The roster came out so we've got all of our thoughts and and the updates on that so be sure to check it all out at the michiganinsider.com michigan.247sports.com for Steve Lorenz I'm Zach Shaw this has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast we'll see you next time
0: the chilling new original docuseries on
1: Paramount Plus